The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. It hasn't gone away, you know, and it won't. Abortion is very firmly on the agenda. Internationally, in the US, another shooting at an abortion clinic in Colorado Springs. In the UK, a doctor and two nurses charged with manslaughter of a woman from Ireland who had an abortion in London. And of course, that ruling in the High Court in Northern Ireland, which may open the way to a wider abortion protocol there. But even before all of that, abortion had come to the top of the political agenda again in the Republic. With a general election looming in the spring, each party is being forced into discussing the Eighth Amendment. The amendment introduced a constitutional ban on abortion which was approved by referendum on the 7th of September 1983 and signed into law on the 7th of October the same year. Yet almost 4,000 women travelled from Ireland to the UK in 2014 for abortion services other women will have sought abortion medication online. It's probably the most controversial and divisive issue that any government would be faced and while the current government has avoided addressing it fully this time round, there's mounting pressure to hear from each of the political parties on which side of the fence they rest. With this in mind, the Pat Kenny Show will be taking a closer look at Ireland's abortion journey for the remainder of the week. We'll speak to the pro-life and pro-choice sides of the campaign. We'll hear about the political, legal and medical implications should the repeal go ahead. But today, I'm going to bring you some recordings I did recently in the UK. I wanted to find out what the real situations are that these women actually face. Who do they turn to? Where are they travelling to in the UK? How much does it cost? What happens in these clinics? How far into the gestation can they have a termination? I took an early morning flight and as I sat at the gate waiting for the boarding call, I looked around at me. Most of the passengers were business people with briefcases and laptops already working away, uh, typing softly in the lounge. But it occurred to me that among these passengers on any given day of the week and even on any flight to any major city in the UK, there could possibly be a woman travelling to the UK for an abortion. And I wondered how it would feel to be sitting among this small group. Would she feel that she stood out in some way? Would she have anyone with her to support her? Was she still struggling to come to terms with her decision? Was she nervous about what the day ahead would bring? I flew to London to meet a woman who supports the expectant mothers who are struggling to finance their abortions. This is a group of volunteers called the Abortion Support Network. Their director is Mara Clark, and I first asked her why she decided to set up this organisation. That's a big question. Um, How I came to set this up is uh, when I lived in the US, I used to do work helping low-income women access later abortions in New York City. And when I moved to England, I looked for something similar to do. And every year, the Department of Health was saying 5,000 women are traveling over from Ireland and Northern Ireland. And I was thinking, well, if 5,000 are coming over, that means that there's 500 or 50 or five who aren't coming over because they can't afford it. And that's the point of the Abortion Support Network, is um, taking the money out of the decision. So for us, when you make abortion against the law, you don't stop it. You just stop uh, safe abortion. And you make it so that when faced with an unwanted pregnancy, women and couples with money have options and women and couples without money have babies or else, unfortunately, we've heard of them doing very desperate and dangerous things to self-terminate. You're doing it now in the UK for Irish women, for Northern Irish women, for women from the Isle of Man. But why did you start doing it in the very first place in New York? Well, that's not the right question, Pat. The question is why in 2009 did I have to? Why in 2015 
do women in Ireland and Northern Ireland in the Isle of Man who don't have a lot of money have to call a group of strangers in England to beg for money to pay for healthcare? So that's always been the thing. It's not, it's not why did we set it up, it's why did we have to and why aren't you helping? What services do you offer? We offer a couple. Uh, so the first thing we do is we provide confidential practical information about the least expensive way to arrange an abortion and travel. So we can say, yeah, okay, you're trying to fly into Manchester and flights are 250 euro, probably a football game. Have you looked at Liverpool? Have you looked at Birmingham? We can also say, well, the, the price they're quoting you is actually the wrong price. That's the price that a woman in England would pay if she was choosing to go private. But these clinics have reduced rates for women traveling over. Also, part of that fee is a consultation fee. But if you go to the IFPA locally, you can have the consultation there, which takes that fee off. Um, you know, all these sorts of different things that we can advise on. And that's the, that's the first little bit. And then the, the other thing that we do is we give the money. We give grants towards the 500 to 2,700 euro it costs to travel over and pay privately for an abortion. How do you assess whether someone needs a grant or otherwise? You know, it's um, it's tough. You know, and we're all we're all volunteers. Uh, fortunately, there's um, about a hundred abortion funds in America, uh, and they were the the network there was able to give us some advice on how to do that. You know, we ask questions. We say, you know, how much have you put forward? And a lot of times, people say, well, I've got nothing because they're seeing these prices in their head, six hundred, seven hundred euro. They're freaking out, and they'll say, I I I don't have anything. I don't have anything. We'll say, what's in your wallet right now? And they'll say, I've got 20 euro. We'll say, oh, you've got 20 euro. That's great. Do you have a passport? Yes, I do. You've just saved another 110 euro. So we sort of work with them to find out what do they have? Um, do they have, is there anybody who knows about the pregnancy? Can that person loan them 20 or 50? Um, you know, and we just sort of take it in increments and we really work together. It's, a, it's a something we do together to get that person over here for the, for the procedure. The money that you do uh, give to people as grants, where does that come from? How are you funded? Um, almost entirely by individual donors. So people who give us anything from two euro a month to a hundred euro a month uh, because they believe that I can't afford an abortion is not the right reason to become a parent. In terms of what people want to do, I mean, they may decide to, to have an abortion. Do you counsel them in any way? Do you try to deter them? Do you try to encourage them? Neither. None of the above. We make it very clear we're not counselors, we're not medical professionals. Um, usually when people come to us, we're the last bit. They've made the decision about what they want to do. They've been deterred by logistics, by arranging childcare, by getting uh, you know, travel documents together. Um, if somebody feels quite to us, if they seem like they're very unsure about what to do or if somebody's contacting us at the very beginning of the process, if we're their first call, we will almost always encourage them to go speak to the Irish Family Planning Association, Fem Plus, the Well Woman Clinic, all of which are three options, um, family planning clinics where they'll talk to women about, um, and this is alphabetical now, abortion, adoption, or parenting. Um, you know, I'm a parent. I think being a parent is a great thing. I also think it's not a job you give to somebody who doesn't want it. What kind of stories do you hear on your helpline from Irish women who are looking to have an abortion in Britain? Oh, well, um, all of them. 
we hear all of the stories. We hear everything from couples who have several kids and can't afford more to younger women who want to continue their education and get themselves a little more financially settled before they have a baby, couples with wanted pregnancies diagnosed with catastrophic fatal fetal anomalies. We were contacted a very short while ago by a woman who discovered 23 weeks after being raped that she was pregnant with her rapist baby. Um, so, you know, she had 100 euro to her name. The procedure at that point cost 1,550 euro plus last minute flights. We've heard from people ranging in age from 13 to 51. We've heard from people pregnant as a result of rape, women pregnant from incest, um, women in an escaping abusive relationships, women with mental health issues, happily married women with kids, couples with fatal fetal anomalies. Really, we've heard from everybody. The only thing they have in common is that they're pregnant, they don't want to be pregnant, and they're poor. And they never in a hundred years thought that they'd be calling us for help. Typically, how far along the pregnancy are they when they finally get in touch with you? That also really ranges a lot. Um, It depends on the circumstances of the pregnancy. A lot of times they're quite early. um, And in addition to giving them information about traveling over, a lot of them want the medical abortion pills that you can get online. And we can tell them about the reputable providers of those pills. And we do say, yes, it's punishable by 14 years in prison. But at the same time, if they're going to get those pills, we want to make sure they get the safe pills. Um, How many rogue traders in uh, what they claim to be abortion pills are out there online? Oh, I'd say dozens, dozens and dozens. And we hear from women who have given 200, 250 euros to those people and then received nothing, whereas the reputable providers ask for a donation of between 70 and 90 euro. So we, we know automatically if somebody's paid that much that they've gone to a rogue organization, just like there's rogue crisis pregnancy centers, um, places that claim to give you information about abortion, but the information they give is medically incorrect. And they'll do things like tell a woman pregnant from rape that uh, he's just a rapist, but if you have an abortion, you're a worse criminal because you'll be a murderer. The costs that you mention, uh, obviously the cheapest uh, form of abortion is very early on and using the uh, so-called abortion pill or combination of pills. Um, What are the, the, the costs depending on how far advanced in the pregnancy a woman is? Generally speaking, and different clinics have different prices, it's around 350 pound up to 14 weeks gestation. But at 14 weeks one day, the price jumps to 600 pound. And then at 19 weeks, it jumps to 1300 pound. Now, why is that? I mean, are there more medical personnel involved in the abortion at that stage? As I say to all our callers, I'm not a doctor. But I will say the further in pregnancy that you are, the more... Uh, you know, it's it's a slightly longer procedure. Um, but again, I would prefer you ask that to the to the clinic. I did want to get back to what you said about um, how far along are women when they get in touch with us. And one thing that Ireland's abortion law does is it means that women are getting abortions later and later in term. Because if you find out you're pregnant when you're 10 or 11 weeks and you find out it's going to cost you 500, 600 euro to travel over, um, then you start raising the money. And when you're 14 weeks, you have the money to pay for that termination, only now the price has just doubled. And so you get pushed further and further into pregnancy. And um, uh, last September, I remember we heard from a, a young woman who had three kids. Her partner left her when, when, uh, when he found out she was pregnant the fourth time. Um, that happens a lot, so I don't feel I'm breaking client confidentiality. Um, and she found out she was pregnant in June, spent all summer trying to raise money, raised 200 euro, but by that time she was 12 weeks further in the pregnancy. So what had been a 
400, 500 euro procedure was now 1,550 euro, and she had 200. And she, you know, she just didn't know about us in time, basically, because we could have helped her come over sooner. And did you grant aid that pregnancy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we've been very, very fortunate that we haven't had to turn somebody down due to lack of funds since 2012. In terms of the number of Irish people coming over later on in their pregnancies to have abortions compared to the normal statistics in Britain, what have you found? Um, now, again, we don't hear from most women. You know, we don't, we don't hear from most people facing unplanned pregnancies. We only hear from the ones that are forced by a combination of Ireland's draconian abortion laws and poverty to uh, involve us. Um, but I would say, so the Department of Health statistics say that 1.4, less than 1.4% of all terminations are done between 20 and 24 weeks. But with our clients, I would say it's 8%. Which indicates just how late it is when people contact you. Yeah. Um, but we can't make any generalization about the vast majority of Irish people who presumably don't contact you. Right. We hear from about 10% of what the Department of Health says are the numbers of people coming over. Those are just the numbers of people who give Irish addresses at a UK clinic. And that doesn't count the numbers of people who give a friend's address or a family member's address or um, lie or get pills on the Internet or go to the Netherlands or France or, you know, or any any of the any any place else in Europe basically where they accept euros and have abortion clinics what do the women tell you about the kind of information they're getting in Ireland a lot of them have watched the silent scream I'm sorry to say um, which I, I have not um, I mean if they are fortunate enough to get to a reputable family planning agency like the Irish Family Planning Association, uh, Fem Plus, Well Woman, but those are all very Dublin-centric. So outside of Dublin, there's um, there's a lot less access to unbiased care. And there's also a law that restricts who can give information out about abortion. And it has to be in person. So if you don't have a lot of places... Well, the Irish Family Planning Association, I think they have 11 or 12 locations around Ireland. But even so, it's not a lot. And, um, you know, and if you have kids or jobs or whatever, it's hard to get to those places. And then there's all these um, what we call rogue crisis pregnancy centers, which give incorrect information. Um, and also we've heard from women who've been harassed by people with these organizations. So they'll go to one of these places and then get follow-up calls saying, oh, have you gone over? Oh, can we come around and talk about it? Oh, you say you won't be in? Well, maybe we'll just talk to your neighbors then. I just saw your face there. That was a great face. That was my face, too. When I <laughs> it's, it's not television, unfortunately, yeah. but I'm very surprised that they would go to people's neighbours and say, by the way, Miss A or Mrs. A is thinking of going to Britain for an abortion. I don't know if they're doing that, but they're threatening that. Um, there is so much stigma around abortion. A lot of the women who contact us, their partners are very much part of the decision to terminate. But unfortunately, in a lot of cases... Um, you know, there was a woman who said, oh, yeah, well, I told him I was pregnant, and he said it had nothing to do with him, but if I had an abortion, he'd paint murderer on my house. Do the women themselves uh, talk about how difficult the decision was? I mean, do they, by and large, would they prefer to keep the child if they had the resources, uh, or is there any way you you can generalise about that? I'd, I'd say it's a... It's a, it's a mixed bag. So there are, I mean, first of all, couples with wanted pregnancies with fatal fetal anomalies, um, obviously they would love to have a viable pregnancy. Those cases always really just get me in the heart and the gut, basically. Um, 
Then there's people who would like to continue the pregnancy, but finances just prevent it, you know. And one of our clients, I remember saying, you know, people say, you know, oh, all the baby needs in lo- is love, but that's actually not true. A baby needs food and clothes and a roof over its head and somebody to pay daycare while, you know, while, while mommy and daddy work. But a lot of people are just like, no, it's not the right time. I don't want kids ever. I don't want another kid now. I don't want children now. And what really causes the stress is the nightmare of trying to raise the money, racing against the clock as as you're getting further and further into pregnancy and the cost is getting more and more expensive, especially if you are a migrant or a refugee and you need to get, uh, you need to get traveled, you know, not just a passport, you need to get a visa in order to leave Ireland, enter the UK and then come back. Um, All of these things add costs and delays and it's appalling. Do you have many people who repeat the calls to you having avail of your services once upon a time then have to come back again? I wouldn't say many. I'd say a handful that I can that I can think of, maybe maybe a dozen, 20 at the most out of the 2200 people that we've heard from since October of 2009. First of all, they did a study in the States which shows that a lot of a lot of women who have more than one abortion are in abusive relationships and their partners either refuse to use birth control or sabotage their birth control because it's, it's hard to leave an abusive partner if you've got one in the belly and one on the breast, right? And we had a woman who contacted us and she was going to come over and everything and then we didn't hear back from her and we left a message, but we don't chase. We really let people come to us. And we didn't hear from her. And then a year later, we did hear back from her. And her partner had beaten her so badly she couldn't travel. So she continued that pregnancy. She could come over this time to terminate the subsequent pregnancy because he was in jail. Are there many clinics around Britain which offer this service to Irish women, Northern Irish women and women from the Isle of Man? Yes. (laughs) Pretty much any BPOS or Mary Stopes clinic. And then there's also... The, um, South Manch- the South Manchester Private Clinic and the Redbridge Clinic, um, all of which are pretty close to airports and ferries. Um, and they all have reduced fees for people traveling over, I mean, hundreds of pounds less than I would pay to go private. Don't let the accent fool you. I actually am British. And so why would they do that? Why would they offer effectively a discount to Irish women? I prefer to think that it's because uh, they know that these women aren't choosing to pay privately for a termination. That in this country, I think something like 98% of abortions are done for free. Um, on the NHS, something like 2% of people choose to pay privately for them. So um, it's not a choice. It's not a choice if you're living in a country where abortion is against the law. It's not a choice to pack a bag and get on a plane and maybe lie to some people and take a day off work and slink off to another country to have a medical procedure. And then after the medical procedure, have to get back on a plane when really you'd rather just be curled up under your own duvet. You mentioned the sad cases of, of fatal fetal abnormalities. Now, depending on when that is diagnosed, uh, and often it's quite late on in the pregnancy, I presume the clinics can't handle that kind of procedure. This is one of the reasons why these cases break my heart. Because on the NHS, if you get... So, like, when I was pregnant, I had my 20-week scan at about 21 and a half weeks, which happens sometimes, yeah? And, um, and so, fortunately, there was nothing wrong. But say that somebody in Ireland who has that scan at 21 or 22 weeks, the legal limit over here 
is 24 weeks at a clinic. So you've got one week, two weeks, three weeks to get a second opinion, a third opinion, to find out more about whatever the disease is or the abnormality, to talk to your spouse, talk to your family, talk to your priest, talk to whoever you want to know, you know, whoever. And some people do want to continue on the pregnancies, but for some people, you know, you can talk to the people of uh, termination for medical reason about this. You know, for some of them, um, the idea of walking around hugely pregnant and having people go, oh my God, what are you doing? Have you decorated the nursery? And know that you're going to have a dead baby, you know, um, is just too much for them. Uh, so they have to make that decision really quickly and come up with a ridiculous amount of money. And yeah, over 24 weeks, the only place you can have that termination is at an NHS hospital. And we've known of a few cases where they've been able to get, uh, where women from Ireland have been able to get private treatment at NHS hospitals, but it is extortionate. It's, I mean, I know they have to charge what they have to charge and it's a, sur it's a surgical procedure, but in a clinic at up to 24 weeks, the cost is um, 1,550 euro at the clinics that go up to that gestation, yeah? Because not all clinics do. And when they do, it's only on certain days. Because again, when it's fewer than 1.4% of all terminations, you're not going to have doctors on all the time that can do them. So um, the few cases we've helped in NHS hospitals, the last one, the couple was um, not only were they 25 and a half weeks pregnant, they believed that their doctor in Ireland misled them about the seriousness of the abnormality. They felt that he was giving them false hope so that they would get over that 24-week limit. And they found a hospital where they could come over, and I think they were 27 weeks when they came over, and the cost of the abortion alone, without the flights and the five nights they had to stay over, was 2700 pound at 27 weeks a baby is on the cusp of viability um the people in those very sad situations do they want to bring the baby home that has been aborted yeah um so we now know what airlines you can bring fetal remains in we know what ferries will allow it and um and for some couples it's it's literally getting remains in a jiffy bag and there was a couple not long ago who, well, they were from Northern Ireland, and they were on the they were on the radio as well. So again, it's not breaking confidentiality. They were told that in addition to anencephaly, that there might be an underlying diagnosis, and so they wanted to bring the remains home to get genetic tests, just so that they could be aware of if there was anything they could do in terms of a next pregnancy. And it's just. It's disgusting. It's just, it's just disgusting. And I mean, I do want to make clear, like I know Amnesty's calling for, with their um, Not a Criminal campaign, or the My Body, My Rights, you know, for abortion in cases of uh, rape, insistent, fatal, fetal anomaly. We really, we don't ask women how they got pregnant, and we don't ask women how they got, you know, why they want abortions. For us, they can make that choice. We can't make that choice for them. We're not, we're not the arbiters of other people's morality. For us, it's do they have the money? And do we have the money to help them? We don't think there's good abortions and bad abortions. We think that um, choosing that you're not ready or able to be a parent is a moral choice. Um, and that's something I think sometimes gets lost when we're talking about, you know, rape and incest and fatal fetal anomaly, which, yes, are very horrible cases. And also not all, not all the people in those circumstances choose to terminate, and that's why we're pro-choice. You know, either we're, we're on either side of the dollar. We just are either side of the coin, but but we are on the side of the dollar in that we're, when money is the only thing standing in someone's way, that's what we're here to provide. If people have to stay overnight, do they stay in hotels or bed and breakfast or with volunteers? Uh, where we can, they stay with volunteers. 
Um, so we have volunteers uh, in West London, South London, Birmingham, Manchester, and Liverpool. And usually most people don't need to stay overnight. They come in and out in a day because they're early enough along. Um, where it gets difficult is if you live literally anywhere outside of Dublin and maybe Cork. Um, it's kind of hard. So women were either taking the night bus and sleeping in the airport um, or... Yeah, no, that's what they were doing. They were taking the night bus and sleeping in the airport, um, the Dublin airport. So we'll we'll put them up the night before, or if they take the ferry over, uh, we'll put them up. Or if they're later term, we'll put them up. Um, and if we don't have a volunteer available, uh, we'll help them find a low-cost bed and breakfast, and then we'll up the grant that we give to the clinic. Um, we don't give money to people directly. We pay the clinics, and so we just reduce the amount of money the um, the woman has to bring over with her. Has anyone ever come back at you and said, if it hadn't been for you, I would have had my baby. I would have had a three-year-old now or a four-year-old. No, not once. And we do follow up. Um, we do, we do, well, we didn't used to do follow up. So when we did follow up, it was like a year or two later. And actually some of the people who we followed up with who had decided not to go through through with it, um, you know, and you could hear a baby in the background. It was great, you know, if that was what that person wanted, that was great. And even those people weren't like, oh, and I almost did it and it was your fault. No, they were all like, thank you for letting me, thank you for letting me come to my own decision, but being able to make a decision, you know, not having a decision forced upon me. Um, and also we hear from people, we hear from clients a couple years later who donate to us and say, you helped me when I needed help, and now I want to help. Now I want to help more people. Um, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that they that they don't. But again, as I said, when people come to us, usually they're quite far down the process. You know, they've really we're the money people. So um, if they've come to us by mistake, then they'll they'll go away and and think some more if that's what they need to do. Have you ever, as an organization or individually, being at the subject of abuse? Have you been targeted? Oh, yeah, that's the fun. We collect things that we've been called. Occasionally, we'll put one on a T-shirt. Uh, Marxist Herodin is, is, a, is a, a feminist slut. Some that are just so gross, I can't, I can't repeat them. I found the Facebook other folder, which is where people you're not friends with on Facebook, where their messages go, and uh, found a death threat uh, for my daughter. Um, which was charming. That's that, that's what pro-life looks like. Um, but honestly, it's not so bad. And um, my friends in America have it much worse. Um, you know, we're not wearing Kevlar vests to work. Mind you, we don't have an office, so they couldn't find us if they wanted to. You know, we have a website, a mobile phone, and a spreadsheet, and about 58 volunteers who do a, a variety of different things. And uh, one part-time paid person, which is, which is me. And that was crowdfunded, that salary. So um, there's all these people who believe in the work that we do, which is amazing. We find a lot of joy in this work. When the person on the other side of the phone starts crying with relief, and when we talk to them afterwards, and they're, they're so very thankful, you know, thank you, now I can, I, can, I can actually raise the kids that I have, or now I can finish school, now I can have the life that I wanted, now I don't have to go through the pain of caring a baby from rape or, or a baby that will die, you know, within minutes of being born. Um, and then there's also a lot of joy in the people who support us, people who are giving their time and giving their money to help complete strangers in another country end a pregnancy. You know, that's not a fuzzy charity to support. We're not, you know, saving kittens or donkeys or puppies. You know, I don't say these words a lot, but we're giving women bodily autonomy. We're making parenting a choice and not a punishment. For the women who 
can't come up with the money and decide that they want to somehow procure an abortion for themselves. Uh, this is the so-called backstreet abortion or underground abortion. What do they do? Well, um, the ones who find out about Women on Web and Women Help Women, which will probably be about, those are the reputable providers of early medical abortion pills, and those are safe pills. The World Health Organization says they're safe, even outside of clinical setting. So those are the lucky ones. Um, other ones try homeopathic remedies, which I'm not going to mention because I don't want to give anybody any ideas. But we've heard from women who've drunk bleach. They've Googled, <laughs> you know, it, this is this is how you know it's it's 2015 and not the 1950s is that they're googling ways to self-abort that's the alternative that's the reality and that's why um i don't think anybody's particularly for abortion although i am i'm, I'm for abortion i'm for abortion over drinking bleach um i'm for abortion over a dead mother and a dead fetus you know but they did a poll recently didn't they the um, rte bbc and i poll that showed that something like 14 percent of people in Ireland are against abortion in all circumstances. So 14% of people in Ireland want to throw the bathwater out with the baby. And we're the bathwater in that circumstance. I can't argue with those people, but the other people, the other people, I just want them to think about what they would do if they were pregnant and desperate, truly desperate, and then think about what the law does to people. Mara Clark, Director of the Abortion Support Network, thank you very much for joining us. It was my pleasure. Thank you. The Pat Kenny Show with Energia, now bringing you Ireland's best dual fuel offer. A gift subscription to the Irish Arts Review is the perfect Christmas gift. From just €40 Euro with worldwide delivery available, your subscription includes four editions of the Irish Arts Review, a gift card and gift CD. David Bowie, Simply Red or The Coors. Book today on 01676 or at irishartsreview.com. Gift CD for new subscriptions while stocks last. For all your corporate gifts, go to Malloy's.ie. That's Malloy's.ie. This Christmas, give them a gift with so many possibilities. Give them the Dundrum Town Centre gift card. Because no one does Christmas like Dundrum does. Imagine your perfect Christmas. The family gathered around for a festive feast, lounging on the sofa watching Christmas movies, or lazy lions after a great night's sleep. It's not too late to have it all with Harvey Norman. We have thousands of sofas, dining sets, beds and mattresses in stock and guaranteed for delivery before Christmas. Plus, right now, we'll deliver for free. Get furniture and beds in your home for Christmas and free delivery with Harvey Norman. Terms and conditions apply. So this is the new car. Car? This is more than a car. It's my personal assistant, DJ, parking attendant, co-pilot. The Opel Corsa, with class-leading technology, including OnStar personal assistant, IntelliLink smartphone connectivity, and self-steering park and go. Now with three years free servicing, up to €3,000 scrappage allowance, and 50-50 finance. Pay half now, half in July 2017. No interest and no repayments. Visit your Opel dealership before December 31st and drive away in more than a car. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. This is a higher purchase agreement provided by Bank of Ireland Finance, a registered trading name of Bank of Ireland. Lord of the Dance, Dangerous Games. Live at the Marquee Cork, June 16th to 18th. And Borgosh Energy Theatre Dublin, June 21st to 25th. Tickets are on sale now. Looking for a gift that everyone will love? 
Buy a voucher for the Cliff House Hotel County Waterford or the Cliff Townhouse St. Stephen's Green and you're sure to satisfy both them and you. Dinner, a one-night escape or perhaps a spa break. Choose the perfect gift, whether it's on the coast or in the city. Buy a voucher before December 5th and receive a 10% discount. Corporate packages also available. Call 024 87800 and make it a Christmas gift to remember with the Cliff Townhouse and the Cliff House Hotel. This is Pat Kenny, and I'm asking you to support the Peter McVerry Trust Christmas Appeal. Every day across Ireland, more people are becoming homeless, and the Peter McVerry Trust is working hard to provide a safe, warm space to help them rebuild their lives. So please, give what you can to help the Peter McVerry Trust, and give the gift of a home this Christmas. To donate, call 01-823-0776 or visit pmvtrust.ie. Thank you. You're burning up. Still feel awful? Yeah, it's terrible. Oh, what else can I get you? You could get out of the way of the TV. Don't let flu symptoms ruin a perfectly good sick day. Isofen relieves cold and flu symptoms, headache and muscle strain fast. Isofen in pharmacies from Clomedica. Always read the label. The Pat Kenny Show. With Energia. Energising homes and businesses all across Ireland. News Talk 106 to 108. Lots of interesting texts coming in. I'll bring those to you a little bit later on in the programme. After that interview you heard before the break, which I conducted in London, I took the train to Manchester and got a taxi then to an address I'd been given. It was for an abortion clinic in the greater Manchester area. Now, I found myself on a tree-lined street, English suburbia, very typical red-bricked houses, probably built mid-20th century, trampolines and basketball nets in the gardens, cars and buses passing by, busy, busy street. Outside one of the properties, a discreet sign with an acronym for the clinic and uh, went into it. Um, it looks for all the world like a multidisciplinary practice of GPs, which you'd find, say, like the clinic uh, that was seen on RTE. Um, when you enter, there's a waiting room on the left with a television showing daytime programming. The sound is turned up just enough to hear it, but not enough to irritate anybody. Magazines on the coffee tables around leather-covered chairs, vending machines, some snacks, some drinks. Now, we were told that there had been some women from Ireland having procedures that day, so we were careful to avoid any uh, contact, visual or otherwise, with any client. So we were brought up to an empty a consulting room upstairs on the first floor. It had a small bed like you'd see in a doctor's office with a roll of surgical paper at the length of it. Small sink, curtain for privacy, the original fireplace of the uh, red-bricked house still dominating the room. I was there to speak with the consultant obstetrician and surgeon who carries out the procedures at the clinic and I started by asking him to explain what happens when a woman arrives at the clinic. When a woman arrives here, uh, they're obviously quite distraught. So essentially what we do here, do only one thing, to help them to go through this uh, very challenging emotional turmoil. So essentially they are um, seen at the reception by the staff. They are taken to the advisor, who are very experienced advisor, uh, to understand what they want. Essentially, I must reiterate that we are here to help. So there's no way we are going to tell or suggest um, what are the options for terminations they are uh, going to have. So essentially, we listen to them exactly what they want us to do. And then our experienced advisor starts talking about their background, why they have decided what they have decided. Of course, most of them already had contact with our 
call center girls as well, they have an idea exactly what we can do for them, um, then they start talking about the circumstances leading to the very difficult decision what they have made. Then what I understand is that my our um, experienced advisors suggest that these are the options available for them, including continuation of pregnancy, so they, if they wish to do so. So if on arrival here they have suddenly said, I don't want to do this. Absolutely. We always, always suggest that if that is the right decision they have made, right at the moment in time, we wouldn't um, allow them to proceed with the termination. We would support them and we would suggest they should start taking the multivitamins, what we suggest is folic acid, to start taking them straight away. And uh, from my experience, I have been working for about a couple of years now in this organization. I have seen at least a couple of the women coming from um, Ireland here and going back again. So they go back to Ireland and continue the pregnancy? Yes. As far as I understood, they went back. Ultimately, what happened to them, I personally do not know. But um, as I understand, the organization keeps a, um, a, a telephone contact with them so that they're well supported. When women arrive here and they've had this medical consultation, uh, they have a scan to detect just how far gestation has advanced. You're absolutely right. After they have seen the experienced advisor, they see a doctor and uh, either doctor scans himself or herself or a sonographer scans um, before we can offer what kind of treatment will be suitable or the best suitable for them. What are the options available? Here we offer them medical treatment tablet, but it has got a ceiling of nine weeks. Um, so if somebody is beyond nine weeks of pregnancy, we cannot offer them tablet treatment. But somebody uh, less than nine weeks, they have got option for medical so tablet treatment or surgical, which again can be done under local anesthetic or under gel anesthetic when they're put to sleep. The medical treatment involves uh, two different tablets at different times. How long is the process from beginning to end? Uh, that's a good question. Now, uh, literature suggests that there are two types of tablets which, which are used in the medical treatment. One tablet basically blocks the receptor of the hormone which keeps the pregnancy intact, and the second tablet squeezes the pregnancy out. Uh, the literature suggests there should be ideally between 24 to 48 hours uh, interval between these two treatments, but lots of um, published and some unpublished literature suggests that even if they are taken six hours apart, the chance of success, success is not compromised significantly. For those women coming from abroad, we offer them having those two tablets six hours apart. If those women who have got facilities to stay around here, then we offer them ideally after 24 hours. So they have choices, Two tablets can be taken at six hours apart or 24 hours apart. What are the potential side effects of this kind of medication? Like any medical or surgical procedure, there are always a risk. Risks of incomplete termination of pregnancies, or bits of tissue left behind, or even failed termination itself, risk of infection, or bleeding. These are the major problems which can happen with tablet treatment. And uh, they will be able to keep in touch with the clinic, or if they find themselves back in Ireland, what then? We are quite proud in a way that not only we support them in a moral, ethical, legal framework, but also we have got absolutely 24-7 um, contact details with the patients so that they can contact no matter time of the day or night, they can contact for help if 
they want to. And obviously, it's all confidential. So even if they go back to Ireland, they can contact any time of the day or night. After nine weeks, uh, the prescription of medicine is no longer appropriate. What are the options after that? Uh, then they can have surgical options, but they can opt for surgical under local anesthetic when they will not be put to sleep, thus avoiding obviously risks with general anesthetic. Or they can go for um, surgical options under general anesthetic when they will be put to sleep and without any pain whatsoever. And is the procedure the same whether it's uh, under local or under general? Basic principles are the same, but uh, there is slight difference because with local anaesthetic they need to have some injection to numb the neck of the womb so that the neck of the womb can be dilated so that the procedure can be done safely and as less painfully as possible. For gel anaesthetic they do not need that injection because they'll be put to sleep during the procedure. What is the actual surgical procedure involved in doing this? Essentially basic principle is to um, have the pregnancy taken out by suction. That's the whole principle, like a vacuum cleaner, uh, but of course in a, with a medical equipment. Uh, is it very traumatic for the body when, uh, you know, uh, being a man, it's hard for me to imagine what this is like, but to, to have something um, drawn out of me like this, something that was attached? That's the interesting question, but from my experience of working um, in termination sector and also as a consultant in the NHS where we do the same procedure, somebody coming with miscarriages or for termination in, in, in fact as well. The trauma for those women having termination of pregnancy, emotional trauma is much more than physical one. So from my experience, the pain they experience is much more emotionally than physical. So to answer to your question, I think physical trauma constitutes only significant minority of, of the whole spectrum of trauma. Potential side effects then after the procedure, if all goes absolutely perfectly, what are the uh, residual side effects and for how long? Or if things go slightly wrong, what are the potential side effects? The chance of having any complications in experienced hand is extremely negligible. I mean, all the surgeons here are consultant gynecologists. We do much more complicated, complicated procedures, really. These are very simple, minor procedures. Yes, any procedure has got a risk, um, as you have got risk um, driving a car in the motorway, for example. So it's a very, very small risk. But nevertheless, there is a small risk of having injury to the womb, making a hole in the womb, infection subsequently, or bleeding leaving a little bit of tissue behind inside the womb, leading to subsequent complications like bleeding for protracted period of time or inviting infection. But these are relatively negligible, you think? Very, very small risk, inexperienced hands, yeah. Pain, is there much pain involved? If somebody's put to sleep, the pain during procedure is obviously, there is no pain at all. But when they um, wake up from the sleep, of course, they will have some crampy abdominal pain. But that pain is nothing compared to have a childbirth. So it's relatively minor. How is it treated with paracetamol or neurofen or one of these things? Exactly right. So th th these are treated by simple painkillers, like as you said, paracetamol and what we call uh, NSAIDs, uh, like ibuprofen. They're, they're quite good in um, tackling, tackling pain. It's very similar to those women who have pain during periods. The crampy abdominal pains. And what is the advice to women then leaving here, having had a procedure uh, in terms of looking after themselves? 
we give comprehensive leaflet, aftercare leaflet, how to look after themselves, who to call um, for any reason, whether it's emotional reason or, um, or medical reason, they can contact 24-7. It's not a problem. Um, but as such, to looking after themselves, we suggest not to have intercourse or uh, use tampon for three weeks or to have um, to go for swimming for a couple of weeks. That just uh, is a common sense, really, to, that, that might increase chance of infection. That's all. The very basic principles, that's all. Some of the women who come here will have completed their families, and that's the reason they're here. They don't want a, another baby. Uh, do you offer uh, sterilization in tandem with termination? We used to offer, but the demand is so less. Uh, there is a need for continuous service um, of uh, servicing for the equipment. So it's not practical for us to maintain that service. So we have recently stopped that service. But if they want, then we have arrangements for them to be referred to either uh, local, their local hospital or NHS hospital in UK to have the procedure done. Are there any uh, terminations that you cannot do here, even those uh, that would be allowed by law? Yes, our highest um, gestation period, pregnancy period we offer here is 15 weeks and six days. And by UK law, anyone requesting termination can have up to, uh, until 24 weeks of gestation, until 23 weeks and six days. So. And, and why have you got that limit imposed upon you? There are two issues here. The chance of surgical complication is slightly higher as the pregnancy advances uh, and also demand is so less to keep the skills up uh, during the, for that particular gestation is, um, is something quite challenging. That's why we decided not to. Do you have any concerns yourself about uh, sending women home after the procedures and um, knowing that the reason they're here is that, number one, it would not be permitted in Ireland, but uh, secondly, it may be a secret that they don't want to share and therefore may not share it with their own doctor? That's a very good question. Now, obviously, it does cross our mind. Um, on the other hand, when I see a pregnant woman have got high blood pressure and seeing in my NHS hospital clinic, we do give them antihypertensive and send them home. Do I wonder that possibly that lady should have been better off in antenatal ward? The antenatal ward would be full of all pregnant women with high blood pressure. It's absolutely impractical. So we need to make a medical judgment. After doing this procedure, whether the woman can look after themselves or with an adult, uh, will be okay to to go home or keep it. So we always assess the risk and benefit and almost all of the women we operate here, we feel very comfortable for them to look after themselves and go home. This is probably one area of medical practice where you don't want repeat business. So what do you say to the women as they leave? Uh, that, that's an interesting thing. Uh, to me, as consultant gynecologist, I see providing termination pregnancies like firefighting. We do not want to have fire in the first place. So you always offer contraceptives all, for all clients, whether they are from UK or abroad. And all women, even if they do not uh, consider any long-term contraception, which is our preferred choice, so that they don't have to remember taking every day, they always leave with either a pack of pill or uh, a box of condom so that they can consider any long-term contraception in due course. That gives us a pleasure that obviously not only we are providing them service and also we have given them the choice to prevent this 
in the first place. Might they be offered a coil or an implantation of a contraceptive device? We offer all the available contraceptives in, in our clinics here. So starting from oral contraceptive pill to injection, which will last for three months, or implant lasts for three years, or the coil, which lasts between five to ten years, depending upon different types of coil. Do you ever hear from any of the women uh, who have come here and had terminations, had abortions, um, as to whether or not they were pleased with your service or whether or not they had any regrets? Audit is inbuilt in our practice, in medical practice. As a routine, we collect uh, patients' outcome form and their comments for each and every patient we, uh, we, we cater. So essentially, yes, we collect and we act on them. Each and every woman having services here gets an opportunity to say about ourselves. You might not be the recipient, but I'm wondering even at the, uh, the centre here, does anyone write and say, thank you doctor, you saved my life, you saved my marriage, or you destroyed my life, you destroyed my marriage? You'll be uh, surprised to see how many actually thank you cards we get in our notice board. So it suggests that possibly not marriage, possibly that's been too far, but yes, you saved my life. That's quite a few we have seen. Thank you very much for talking to us. You're very welcome. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.